everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Niham Ashang, who is the founder of Outliers Edge. Previously, he worked for the ad tech company AppNexus in New York City, where he developed strategies and programs on global community engagement, company culture, and diversity and inclusion. His experience in personal, professional, and organizational development began at Deloitte Consulting. Thank you so much for joining us today. That is an absolute pleasure to be here. I want to start with a line from your LinkedIn profile that I loved. It reads, quote, I'm not like anyone you've ever met, and I know the same applies to you, end quote. You talk about uniqueness a lot in the work that you do, which I love. Why is uniqueness such an important component of your work? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. When I hear you uh, share that line back with me, what comes up is the thought of hearing someone say to me, you're just like every other person I've ever met. Like there's an element in there that, that like does not feel good. And at the same time, on the other side of it, knowing that you're not like anyone else is both, it feels both refreshing and, and it can actually be either, it can feel very courageous to, to hear that statement, or it can also be in a place where it just doesn't like, it just doesn't land well, because it's like, well, I'm the only one like me now. What does that mean? I think that like, from what I have found in, in, in the standpoint of the leadership that has been sustainable for me has been in terms of leaning into what makes you unique and understanding like your path to be able to basically be able to make everything that you do as a leader that much like more effortless. So for me, I, I like, I champion the leaders who are shaping the next era of humanity. And when I think about that, I think from the standpoint, we know what, what, what things look like right now. There's leadership right now that works for what we have going on uh, in our current environments. And for whatever else is coming next, we're going to need different thinkers. We're going to need people who look at the world differently, who have experienced the world differently. Uh, and my whole mission in life is to go forth and just create more space for their uniqueness to also have room in the, the, the overall sphere of leadership. One of my favorite questions to ask our guests is about defining moments in their life. Do you have one or two moments that you look back on fondly as transformational in getting you to the place that you are today? I do. I do. I have, a, I have quite a few. Uh, not all of them are, are fond, though, but they are absolutely important. Um, you know, the, the one that I'll call out right now, the one that feels most present is um, the moment that I became a Black man. So I've been a Black man for the last five years. Uh, I've always been born in the skin. I'm, I'm, uh, my parents are from Ghana, West Africa. I grew up in uh, South Jersey on the East Coast in the U.S., um, and I had spent most of my life uh, finding different levels of success uh, in, in the things that I had done. And it wasn't until about five years ago that uh, I was sitting in uh, in the former organization I was in. We had organized an event for Black History Month, uh, and we had all come together to uh, watch a video um, in in uh, that was called White Like Me. And I remember sitting. We we, <laughs> we rented out uh, the place that we were at was uh, Fifty Cent's old um, like studio, so it actually had a basketball court there. So we were watching this video on the basketball court, um, and it talked about uh, institutional racism, systemic oppression, and such. And I remember being thirty years old and watching this movie, uh, this documentary, and for the first time being like, "Wait a minute, I'm not like." 
this is this is happening. This is this is real. My parents have said this. They've, they've said they've told me about things. I've seen things in the media. I've seen things out that people have talked about uh, some of the challenges of being a, a black person. But like it had never seemed to affect me. And in that moment, Matt, like I had this realization um, of the sentence that I that I carry along with me. And the, the sentence is both like a grammatical sentence, but also like in some senses, like a, a prison sentence. And the, the sentence is, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. And in that moment, when I was watching that, that documentary, it, it went through, I went on a whole journey with just that one sentence alone. I'm not supposed to be here. Usually I look at that as like, um, well, in that moment, I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like somehow I am a, a black man working in tech right now. I was an actuary beforehand uh, and doing act, act, retirement actuarial consultant work. Um, and in both of those environments, uh, I had gotten statistics that 3% of the people who were working in those fields in the US at that time were African-American. And, and up until that point, I'm like, yeah, like, look at me, like, I, like I'm part of the, the, like, I'm moving things forward, I'm opening up the door. But when I was watching that movie, I, it came to me, a new realization came on like, oh, I'm really not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. there, are, there, are, there are things at play that are working against me, stru structurally working against me. And even given that, I'm still here. So what do I want to do about it? What am I doing differently? There's 97 to 98% of other people who, who are like me. Are they not getting these opportunities? What would happen if they were? And, and am I taking for granted this experience? Uh, sorry about it. As I'm talking, uh, I realized that the taking for granted feels real. But what really feels real is it was in that moment that I realized that I have gotten to where I had gotten to by pushing away my blackness, by, by putting, pushing away parts of my identity and choosing to move through life in a way that I would consider that was more like in, in a white fashion, what I had, what I had adopted as that. Um, and what the, the importance of that there was for me to realize that, hold on, do I know how to be successful as me? What would happen if I went through the world as me? What, how do I bring my leadership out in the world as me? And what is, and if I was able to do this, playing into what I what I saw working around me and playing into what I believed others were expecting of me in order to be in order to be successful. What could I do if I was actually really and fully unleashed? In fact, you introduced me as Niyama Ashong. I was going at that time, I went for 20 years by the name of Nemo Ashong, just, just like the Disney fish. Um, because it was super easy, super approachable. No one ever mispronounces it. They're just like, oh yeah, Nemo like the fish. And just yet another way that I was like pushing away who I truly was, not just, it turned out that it was like ethnically in my background uh, in this case, but, there, but as I went down the journey, I started to realize how many other areas I turned away. I turned, uh, I turned away who I was and I, I instead tried to be a chameleon toward what other people wanted and found that even though I was getting positive results, positive uh, success, uh, there was a real disconnect between the who I knew I could be as a leader and the impact I knew I could have versus what was actually taking place. That, it, that moment strikes, strikes me. It's, it's a really inspirational story and an inspirational moment. And I'd be curious as, as you look back at that period from that moment to today, how would you change what you did over that period? You know, you've obviously learned a lot as you had that moment. Now you feel a lot maybe a lot of pride about how you have changed as a person or how you've changed and how you approach things. What do you wish you had done differently over this kind of transformational period from that moment to today? 
Okay, cool. Well, uh, on one end, I don't want, wish I could change anything because I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm glad that we're here in this conversation right now. Um, I think that on the second end of it, I ended up moving to Singapore shortly afterwards um, and uh, really got a chance to, to experience what it's like to be different from others um, and, and to try and create from there. And I think if there was in the grand scheme of the last few years, I would say that that becomes important because when I got out to Singapore, I tried, I, I did what I did, what I do normally, which is to become a chameleon. Uh, and to go and really observe and, you know, being culturally sensitive, knowing what is the culture here in Singapore? How do things get done here? Uh, I'm someone that has a huge personality. Uh, I'm, I'm one to like dance on the street because I'm having a good day. Um, and it felt that I might, it, I, I interpreted my, my understanding of it as that would be culturally insensitive to bring that kind of energy out into the space. So I changed who I was yet again. Uh, and I and I allowed the chameleon to come out and say, okay, I guess this is what you expect of me. And what ended up happening there as a result of that, Matt, is that for the years that I was in Singapore, I ended up taking a like a step back in terms of the accomplishments that I normally would get, the way that I would normally con uh, connect with people. Everything that I did felt just a little bit harder. Yeah. And when I say just a little bit harder, I mean it felt harder. It just I'm just used to things working for me, just given the way that, uh, given the unique path that I take, there's, there's no other resistance because there's no one else that's on it. Um, and then all of a sudden I, I, I chose to do things. I, I chose to be, I, this is how I would put it. I became exactly where I was supposed to be. And I became exactly who I was supposed to be quote unquote supposed. Uh, and it was the worst decision that, that like, not the worst, but like, it's a decision that if I could change anything, it would be to stay in the lane of being, being uh, in my own space, whatever that means. Not to be isolated, uh, but rather knowing and owning like every part of what I bring to this space. I had the chance, Matt, if I put it this way, I had a chance to give Singapore the gift of Niyama Ashang for four years. They did not have me there beforehand. And unfortunately, I don't think I actually showed up during those four years. So they missed out on that gift. And that would be if there was one thing I would change in, in the course of this uh, to get up, to get to this place, it would be during that period of time, staying true to what is me and, and offering it in a way that would be received positively to in the environment that I was in. What would your advice be to individuals who are leaders about how they can bring the best out of the people that they lead, maybe if they're struggling with what you done a wonderful job of describing your struggle and your journey through this, but but maybe for, for anybody, not even those who are struggling with, with what you were struggling with, how would you coach other leaders to help the people on their team be the best version of themselves? Awesome. Well, let's first start off with like, what am I, what was I struggling with? Right. Uh, like what I was struggling with was, was the, uh, the feeling of a sense of imposter syndrome that who I am wouldn't be enough, who I am wouldn't be, be allowed, uh, a sense of, of, a feel, a feeling of, um, a fear. Like I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe that if I showed up as I was, it would be enough and that I would still be accepted. So I want to put that out here for anyone, like, like let's frame it in that, in that lens. Um, and so when I talk to people who have, uh, taken on new leadership roles, they, their, their team has expanded, their, their remits have expanded, they're, they're entrepreneurs and they're going, they're saying we're, we're, we're leading off in a new direction that hasn't been done before, so on and so forth. They're, 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 they're facing similar issues when they, when they take a look at it and say, well, I, I know what others expect me to be. 
how should I show up in that regard, right? So like just to kind of frame it in firstly in that space. Now, for your part of the question around like, if you're in that space, how do you go forth and bring the best out of the, the people that you lead? My, my suggestion uh, starts off with almost a bit of what just happened right here to translate the feelings that you're feeling, the feelings that are of discomfort that you have uh, into the world that they are experiencing so that, um, so that we, can all, so we can all kind of operate from the same place. Uh, an example of this right now is, um, I'll think about my time in, in Singapore. There was a lot of times where uh, people would go and uh, they would say, we need people to take on more risk in this organization. And then they would go as uh, they would be expats from outside of the outside of Singapore, and they would come in with a Western a, a approach of what taking risk would be like. And they're like, "Watch, this is risk. Here, here we go. Like, look, I'm taking risk. We can all do it." What they missed was that the, what was risky for them was diff what was risky for their team was different than the risk that they were taking on. It wasn't actually risky for that leader to go forth and like raise their hand at a town hall or something. Like they felt comfortable. And where they were. They weren't actually demonstrating risk. They hadn't translated what they needed to to, to, that, to that team there. Um, and so I have found that uh, another example might have been a place where they actually felt uncomfortable, but was actually a risk for that person, as opposed to the behaviors that they wanted the other, they wanted their teammates to, uh, to demonstrate. So for me, I have found that like the, the number one thing is to model, model what you want to see in the world. That's model how you want your team to be, but translate it into, I guess it's like translate it into uh, an environment or a context that makes it real for you and, and helps them also, helps you experience what they're experiencing so that they can see what courage looks like. So they can see how do you organize when you're working through ambiguity so that they can, they, they can actually learn through the way that you choose to uh, handle an experience based on how they might feel. A, a topic that you talk about a lot that has really resonated with me is leaning into your edge as a leader. And so as a two-part question, how do you suggest that people uncover their edge? And then once they've done that, how do you suggest that they lean into it? Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. So let's look at this here. Uh, I like the word, the word edge is very, really powerful. Um, and I'm going to bring in two different paradigms of edges. There's many of them, but I'll bring in two of them for the purpose of this conversation, uh, especially when we're talking about leaning into your edge. The first edge that you have is the edge that is your advantage. What gives you an edge, right? So, so we, there's, there's that one element. And then the second element here is the edge, which is like your edges, your limits, your boundaries. Where is the edge of your comfort zone? Where, where is the limit that you have taken things to at this point? And I wanna make sure that we're, we're framing both of those right there, because if we're gonna start, if we're gonna lean into it, typically one of the ways to get beyond your comfort zone, beyond your edge as a leader or in, in, in terms of creating things uh, is to leverage what gives you an edge. So how do you find out what gives you an edge? Well, there's some assessments of, if you're an assessment person, I, I typically love uh, the strength finders assessment to understand what, what, where are your strengths uh, and the nuances that, uh, that play out for you. Um, I also find that uh, just in terms of understanding what, what gives you an edge, <laughs> honestly, counterintuitively, and I'm a counterintuitive person, uh, counterintuitively, the things that you probably have an edge in are usually the things, not that you're getting, the things that you get praise for, that you have a hard time accepting, that you're like, anyone could do that. That's not a big deal. Like, like why, why, or, or that you may be out there feeling annoyed that other people aren't delivering at the same, uh, at the same um, capacity as you. That's a great way to get some, some clues into this is something that you 
that's special to you or that comes easier for you uh, to help shine a light on where your edges are overall. When it comes to the edge of, of your of your limitations there, like for me, I've, I've, I've had to go through coaching. I will put it this way. It's about getting perspectives, being getting perspectives outside of your own. If you want to be able to see what your limits are, it's about getting those perspectives. It's almost like walking through the light, walking through life with sunglasses on. Like you may not need, like um, I have gone outside, walked with sunglasses on and came inside my house, still had those glasses on, but I forgot that they were there, you know, and I needed someone else to kind of point out like, why are you wearing these right now? <laughs> to actually notice that, oh, this is the way that I'm looking. Uh, this is the lens in which I'm looking through life. It's just slightly tinted, slightly darker than what is actually there. So I have found it really important to go and find, to get different perspectives. They can come from different peers. Um, I typically go with coaching. I, I going to masterminds, uh, I find environments with other people who are playing uh, a similar or better game or bigger game, I would say not even better, but bigger, uh, and get different perspectives to see where I am being limited, where I am limiting myself. And there's a great book uh, when, uh, called uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks that talks about uh, an element of upper limits, which, uh, which is a really wonderful concept about how you are bringing yourself up to the maximum that you feel is is you are capable for and and unconsciously sabotaging yourself uh that's a great book to start to if anyone just wants to like read and find some some ways to start exploring that uh that's a really great standpoint that's and honestly that's where i spend most of my time i spend my time with high performing high impact leaders trying to help them see like like where else have you put a what is your thinking right now and is that is that actually a universal truth or is that something that is a choice and a decision that you can make in order to help you lead more effectively, help your team come on more, more, um, more fully, help communicate, help enroll others, and so on and so forth? Does that answer your question, Matt? Did I leave a part of? Did I leave anything out of that? No, I think that was that was perfect. And what what I am curious about is yourself from a productivity or an organization perspective. I, I've been kind of fascinated as I've learned a little bit about you, the different work that you're doing and where you spend your time. Not necessarily to ask the question of where do you find time for it, but what does a normal day, week look like for you when it comes to organization, any productivity things that you find that help you be more effective? All right. Awesome. So I'm going to put in this first and foremost, like when I talk to leaders, I'm a leader of leaders, right? So that's that's the space that I, that I play. And I, and I know that here. There's an important distinction. When it comes to leaders, there's, they've got, a lot of them have gotten productivity down. They can do, they can be productive and you can listen to the podcast and things around that. The space where I find there, there to be tremendous growth is actually in energy management. And that is, that is, that isn't talked about enough. Do you have the energy to continue to, you, you have the time, you can get everything else done. Do you have the energy to, to, to sit with the employee that's having a harder time uh, getting, getting things executed? Do you have the energy to show up, not just as a leader in your organization, where sometimes like you got that, you have the respect, you have the authority, you have the title, you have the, the experience, everyone knows that, but then you go home and you have to like expend energy uh, with, with your family in a different way because your family doesn't treat you anywhere, anywhere like they do um, inside of the office. So I look, I look to energy management and just even knowing that distinction ends up playing, um, playing a, a, a big, big role. Um, some of the things that I look, I look for is, so, so now if I look at how do I manage my energy here uh, and also combine that with a bit of productivity. One of the things that, that 
which actually came from the book, The, the, the Big Leap. They talk about a thing called the, the zone of, of genius compared to, to the zone of excellence. Um, most people end up playing in the zone of excellence. It's where they know that if they work really hard, uh, they'll get good results. People probably are, are praising them for it. And they're like, okay, yeah, yep. it took me like several months, but we got there and you know, you can call on me anytime to go do this, this hard work. I got you. The zone of genius is the place where it's just like, it was effortless. It was like, it took almost no time at all. And look, look what we created. Um, and so for me personally, uh, I have found it and made it a point in, in the work that I do to align, to identify and align myself as much with the areas that are in my zones of genius and to build my team around that and to, and to, and to find their zones of genius so that while, so I can leverage what comes easiest for them to help us be able to get our, our results. An example of this, for example, is that uh, conversation is, is simple for me. And when people, when people are in conversation, their lives change with me. Uh, they, they think about things differently. They're, I get, uh, it's, it's better than writing a blog. It's better than, it's like, I, there, there's so many different, different ways that I can choose to communicate as a leader. But this is, conversation is one of the, one of the best. It's even different than me just talking to a camera alone. It's like literally, I will go and I will have conversations. I'm building out different uh, materials inside of for, for some of the things that we're doing uh, for different resources for people. We have the conversations and my team is going in there and they, they have the, the genius of taking in recorded information and repurposing that in many different ways. So I'm able to now be in conversation. My, my day is just scheduled with conversations. My, my, I just follow my, my calendar. I'm going from a coaching conversation to leading a group conversation, to being on a podcast, to working with my team, whatever it is, each of those conversations are recorded. My, and, I, and there's certain people on my team that have a, a genuine, genuine skill set, a genius in being able to translate and take that take what happened in that conversation and turn it into something that lives beyond that maybe turns into uh, different collateral, different resources for my clients, so on and so forth. Uh, and that's like, that's an example of how I've been able to, to bring productivity uh, and manage my own energy. Cause when I'm sending alone, right. in, if I was creating all those things on my own, that's a huge energy drain. Uh, and unfortunately the output as a result is far less. Well, that uh, whole conversation about energy and genius is just a perfect spot to shift to the final rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And question number one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Enrolling. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I've heard it in two different ways. Do you mind if I share both ways? Of course. Okay. Um, the first way that I heard it was most people think that a goal is a place to get to. It's not. It's a place to start from. Hmm. Most people think that a goal is a place to get to. It's a place to start from. I'll put it on the other side of this too. The other end of it is as a leader, it is up to you to model the future you want to create in the present model the future you want to create in the present. And both of these things, they're, they're, they both say the same thing, which is don't put out, don't put the goalposts out in the future and say, well, one day when, or out when we reach this, then it's, it's actually to start off in alignment with that, where you are right now. So if you want to be the, the a world renowned uh, leader or take, take your organization to X number of, of dollars or uh, increases in that year, 
show up as that leader right now start practicing being that leader how would that leader hold their 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 conversations with with their teams would they would they continue to just allow would they continue to tolerate the the same things that uh, a leader who isn't accomplishing that do or would they change their systems their structures their ways of thinking the the supports around them so on and so forth such that they are in alignment with the actual goal that they that that will one day uh, come to full fruition. It's almost like iterating yourself, uh, <laughs> as opposed to just building. It's almost it's like the agile style of of uh, of being, as opposed to almost like the waterfall um, phase style. Well, that is just a perfect spot to close us out. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, so the the best place to go is to outliersedge.com. Um, I have an opportunity for people to spend like 14 days getting supported by me in, in a complimentary uh, experience within our, which we call the Outliers Edge Multiverse. So if they go to outliersedge.com slash learn to lead, there's an, there's an extra gift that I have for them where they can come for 14 days complimentary. It's our flagship program where we help leaders just continue to lean into their edges and expand their thinking. I'd be happy to offer that. Uh, as well to anyone that, that's interested. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of the wonderful insight. And I'll use this chance to thank all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims. And you can find our organization at ability.com. And I want to thank all of you for joining us today on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, the Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We want to thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.